They seek him here, they seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned elusive Pimpernel. picture Red Shoes as Baroness Orxy's immortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Chauvelin's troops were devoting themselves to the search for the Scarlet Pimpernel. So, to dispel suspicion, Tony Dewhurst and I took a magnificent house in the Champs-Élysées and played at being English dandies with no goal other than finding pleasure. Night after night, we showed ourselves in the taverns of Paris, turning in only to sleep in the weary hours of the morning. Oh, Blakeney, what an evening. Oh. I'm so weary that I... What? Oh, not important. Come here a moment. Hi. What's your matter? This closet. You remember what I was wearing this afternoon? Yes. Why? Look. Here's the garment back here, in the rear of the closet. What? I changed before dinner. I put it in the front of the closet. Yes, you did. I remember. Let me have a look at my wardrobe. Well? Well, somebody's been rummaging through here, all right. I think it might be a burglar in search of money. No, not possibly. Why not? A burglar wouldn't waste time going through the clothing here. He'd clear out with it. Whoever searched in here is someone who has grown curious about us. The concierge has a key. I think he might be watching us. Well, the best way to find out is for us to watch him. But it wasn't necessary to watch. We had barely risen the next morning and ordered breakfast when the concierge presented himself. Ah, oh, gentlemen, you are so late to arise. It is past the breakfast hour, but do not fear we make special concessions for our English friends, huh? <laughs> oh, I say that's very kind of you. Not very at kind. all, monsieur. You have been most generous. Ah, we wish yes. you to be happy here. The staff has been instructed to seat your every comfort. 
Are you happy with the servants? <laughs> I think so. You any complaints, Turner? No. Ah, I was sure of your answer even before I asked. I watched their work very thoroughly. Yesterday, for instance, while you were out for dinner, I sought for even the smallest speck of dust. Really? Even in the closets. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was necessary to remove some of the clothing to do so. You have such elaborate wardrobes. <laughs> but I satisfied myself and put everything back neatly, I hope. Never would have known anything had been touched. Ah, splendid, I... Uh... Uh, I say, um, do you think you could uh, hurry the breakfast, though? Ah, oui, monsieur. Uh, oui, I have talked too much. I will see it with at once. Uh, you will not be kept waiting. What the devil do you... A oh, splendid chap, that Corsair's what? He knows how to serve gentlemen. Oh, yes, yes, he certainly does. <laughs> <laughs> Tony had caught the look of warning I'd given to him as the door closed behind the concierge. Then we heard the door to the anteroom close, too. And I motioned Tony closer to me. Uh, what do you make of it? He was hiding things for his search, that's what. How did he know we'd found anything amiss? There's only one way he could have known. Our conversation last night was overheard. Perhaps everything we discuss here is known. Yes, but how? Holes in the walls, behind pictures, or even covered by the wallpaper. We'll take a walk after breakfast and discuss it then. But from now on in these rooms, we must be careful. <laughs> blunder of the concierge had alerted us, but it soon took secondary importance. Tony and I started out for our walk in order to talk the matter over freely, but by the time we had reached the Place de la Révolution, I had something else on my mind. What's the matter, Blakeney? Why are you slowing down? I'll just keep this place for a moment. Yeah, why? To give that couple behind us a chance to pass. No, don't look back. Oh, you think they're following us? They've been behind us ever since we left our quarters. Each time we turn from one street to another, they follow. Stop at this next corner for a moment, as though we're not decided which way to go. All right, now what? Just look around, casually, as though we're talking. Point up one of the streets. See them? Yes, they've stopped back there. Oh, you must be mistaken, Blakeney. He's kissing her. Just a couple of young lovers. You think so? All right, then. Around this corner, quickly. Now stop and wait. Let's see how long that embrace lasted. Ah, no doubt about it. They were following us, all right. Yes, and they know we know it. Doesn't one of our men have quarters near here somewhere? Yeah, Fuchs, in the Rue de la Tremoy. Why? I want to see if we're the only ones marked for this signal attention. Or if the other members of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel are followed too. You think the concierge and that couple are spies for the French government? Yes, I do. And they may have hit upon a plan that I've long feared. What plan? One that will enable them to discover the identity of the Scarlet Pimpernel. We hailed a passing carriage... Stopped at a tavern and went through it to a back entrance. Then took another carriage to the lodging was occupied by Fuchs. We were certain we had not been followed. Fuchs was equally certain that his movements were not being observed. I think you're getting a bit edgy, Blakeney. This playing around with no real activity is getting you down. Perhaps you're right. Lovely view from here. Yeah, it's rather a pleasant street. No, it must be all right, Blakeney, if Fuchs is certain he isn't being watched. 
We didn't think we were being watched either, Tony. Not a great many people walk along here, do they, folks? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, not the number that one uh, might find in the Rue Saint-Martin. Well, it's not a major thoroughfare. What are you getting at? I'm just thinking. It's not a likely spot for that uh, beggar, for instance, sitting across the street. Oh, I begin to see your meaning. So do I. You, you noticed him before, folks? Yes, he's been there for three days now, and... Uh, what? When I went out to dine last night, I thought I caught a glimpse of him outside a tavern called L'Etoile. You think it was just by chance he happened to be there? I did then. Not now. What do we do about it, Blakeney? Well, first we must see how deep the roots of the plan go. You and I will go home and pack. Just a few things. An order of carriage. We will go to uh, Versailles. But uh, we've got no reason to go to Versailles. Tony, uh, <clears throat> I'm afraid it wouldn't matter if we did. I don't understand. You will when we reach the city gates of Paris. What do you mean, Blakeney? I mean that unless I miss my guess, we will be forbidden permission to leave this city. But if they know nothing and they can't, why us? Not just us, Tony. Any Englishman. Get the carriage. We'll see. <laughs> In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Goring as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Now, we're nearing the gate now, Blackney. I can see the barricade ahead. Quite a few soldiers. If you look back, you'll see something there, too. What? Our friends. A loving young couple in an open barouche. Halt! Halt for examination. Ooh, ooh. Well, here's the challenge. Yes. Bonsoir, citizen. Your permits, please. Oh, bonsoir. Bonsoir. Oh. Ah, yes. oh. Mm. Your destination? Oh, uh, uh, you know, Versailles. Well, I'm sorry, that is not possible. The road is temporarily closed. Oh. oh, that's too bad. Well, perhaps we could find a way around. Which, which, which part of it is closed? All of it, citizen. Every inch from this gate on. Oh, my dear fellow. Now, look here, if this is your idea of a joke... It is no joke, citizen. You cannot leave Paris. Well, our papers are in perfectly good order. It's signed by Citizen Chavalon himself. Hmm. Now, look here. Do you want me to take the matter up with him personally? I think that would be most amusing, citizen. <laughs> Since it was Citizen Chauvelin who issued the order. Oh, really? No Englishman leave Paris until further notice. <laughs> Thank you. 
I had no choice but to see Chauvelin and play the role of the indignant visitor. Tony and I were admitted at once when we called to his home. Chauvelin was not alone. In the study with him was a man with sharp, intelligent eyes. He wore a uniform with the insignia of a lieutenant. <laughs> so, you are distressed by my orders, Sir Percy. Distressed? Oh, well, after all, my dear Chablon, it, it, it's downright unfriendly. Uh -huh. Now, really, treating us like prisoners. It'll be a long time before we come to Paris again, you may be sure. That will be our misfortune. However, for the time being, you will remain. Oh, well, without being given any reason for your, for your high-handed conduct. No, you have a reason. The Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, that blasted legend again. No, Sir dear. Percy believes the Pimpernel to be a figment of my imagination, Lieutenant. He is quite real, monsieur. And an Englishman of noble birth. The lieutenant's voice went with his eyes, quiet and certain. I could feel the intensity of his stare studying me. And I knew that this was not an adversary who would be easy to deal with. The people who followed you today followed you at my order. Oh, really? <laughs> For what purpose, Lieutenant? So that you will be under constant surveillance, monsieur. Oh, I see. You and all other Englishmen in Paris. And, um, how long, may I ask, is this nonsense to go on? Only four days, monsieur, until the Vicomte de Villiers is brought to the guillotine. The Vicomte de Villiers has been captured? Ah, I see you are surprised, gentlemen. Yes, the Vicomte de Villiers. In our eyes, a traitor to France and an aristo. But to you, a friend of England, related, I believe, to your own royal family. Well, I, I don't see what the devil that's all got to do with our being watched. Don't you, monsieur? No. No, Lieutenant, I, I don't. Then I will tell you. I do not believe that the Scarlet Pimpernel will let the Villiers die without making an attempt to rescue him. Oh, nonsense. For that reason, I will give you a piece of advice. Do not again attempt to elude the people I assign to follow you. It will be best for you if all your movements are accounted for by the reports of my own men until after the execution. If I may go, Citizen Chauvelin, I have duties. By all means, Lieutenant. Adieu, monsieur. Adieu, 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 adieu boy. Well, you know, Chavalon, men like that aren't going to improve feelings between our countries. I, I, I'd like to make a note of his name. Now, now, what did you say it was? I did not say, and it doesn't matter. But if you will feel better knowing, he's a Corsican. His name is Buonaparte. Napoleon Buonaparte. In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel.
Now, Marius Goring as the Scarlet Pimpernel. trap set by Lieutenant Bonaparte was clever. If the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel made an attempt to move in aid of de Villiers, our identities became known. But if we didn't move, de Villiers would be executed. The bait was well chosen. And even as Tony and I left the house of Citizen Chauvelin, two men fell into step about 50 yards behind us. There's been a changing of the guard, Blakeney. I know, Tony. I noticed them as we came out. We can elude them easily enough, I imagine, if we... No, no. Uh, the moment we do so, Chauvelin will put out an order for our arrest. We can't help de Villiers if we're in jail, too. And we need a good deal of information before we can make any rescue attempt. We might try bribing them, Blakeman. Not this time, Tony. We're not dealing with an ordinary man this time. Oh, Chauvelin's police haven't always been above corruption. I'm not talking about Chauvelin. I'm talking about Lieutenant Bonaparte. You can safely wager that every man on this assignment is hand-picked by him personally that he has some sort of hold on all of them to guarantee their loyalty. Oh, come now, Blakeney. A mere lieutenant. Call him a mere lieutenant, Tony. But don't forget to credit him with this plan that makes us squirm. Oh, I wasn't impressed with him especially. Then you didn't look into his eyes. Uh-huh. I did. There's a man there, Tony. Dangerous and ambitious with a will of iron and a mind like a rapier. Just the same. We can't let de Villiers die. No, we can't. And Bonaparte knows that too. Otherwise, the arrest and the execution would have been kept secret. Well, it has been, except to us, you know. Well, that in itself could be a trap. We'll soon know. How? If it isn't a trap, aimed purely at us. If all Englishmen are really suspect, the news about de Villiers will be shouted from the housetops in a matter of hours. By tomorrow at the latest. And then we'll move? And then we'll move. You don't sound happy about it, Blakeney. I'm not, Tony. I'm afraid we'll fail. No, Tony. We may succeed, but this time it will cost us something. Because we'll never again come back to this city as Englishmen without disguise. Bonaparte's plan is that good? It's foolproof, Tony. Can you figure a way to rescue de Villiers and stay within sight of Bonaparte's guards at the same time? No. Well, nor can I. Well, we'll make our rescue, snatch de Villiers and spirit him to England. But from that moment on, Chauvelin will know that I am the Scarlet Pimpernel. Well, that knowledge will do him no good once you're safely in England. No, but we'll have to come back here to help others, Tony. So, we disguise ourselves as Frenchmen, as we have before. As a matter of fact, we may be more help than ever. If your identity is known, word will get around. Direct appeals for help will be made by unfortunates we might otherwise never know about. You're overlooking one thing, Tony. What's that? (laughs) Any one of those appeals, from now on, may be another trap. news about the Vicomte de Villiers was common gossip in the city by supper time, and I felt my heart sink. We had to move fast. Returning briefly to our quarters, I penned a half dozen notes. Then I put them in my pocket, and Tony and I went out to eat. The place I selected was in the Boulevard de Courcelles. It had several major advantages. The waiter was a fanatical enemy of Citizen Chauvelin. He was a source of information because the place was a favorite of army officers, and he was not above corruption. Some wine, monsieur? A burgundy, perhaps? Not tonight, thanks. I'm interested in a vintage that I understand may shortly be unobtainable. Would the vintage you refer to be bottled by a Corsican? 
from a vineyard named um, Bonaparte. The, um, the wine itself is called a de Villiers. I am afraid there is none on hand, monsieur. I understood there was. It is being imported from the provinces. I see. Uh, when is the shipment expected? Tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. from Orléans. But it has been consigned for the military at the Bastille. Too bad. I wanted it tonight for a party. I've several invitations written, but uh, delivering them will be difficult. We all have problems these days, monsieur. I, for instance, have need of 10,000 francs. There is a magician appearing in England who produces miraculous things from under a common table napkin. Perhaps under mine you might find the answer to both our problems. If mine is answered, monsieur, yours shall also be answered. I shall look to the napkin when you have left. So de Villiers goes to the Bastille at 4 a.m., which barely gives us time. Better leave the rest of your food. I'll leave these letters and 10,000 francs for our friend. Who's giving the party? And for whom? We are at our quarters for other members of the League. It's the best way to get them together. If he's stopped and the letter's examined, they'll seem innocent enough. Every man who comes will be followed. I know. I'm counting on that. It's indispensable to our plan. From the concierge, I ordered large quantities of food and champagne. By midnight, all members of the League were present. Tony led most of them in loud, inane discussions, while, one by one, I took each aside and gave them instructions. What's up, Blakeney? You whispered it to most of the others. This party is just a pretense. We move tonight. De Villiers? Yes. We'll disband the party in about an hour. Pretend to be drunk when you leave. Right. Walk. And then when you get to an isolated place, wait for the man who has been assigned to follow you, knock him out, find him, take his clothing. Good. At 2 a.m., we rendezvous at the Pointe de Charenton. That's the way they'll come from Orleans on the way to the Bastille. A heavy guard may be sent out to meet the caravan. No, no. The heavy guard will be at the Bastille. How do you know? I don't. But that's the way I intend to arrange it. Just make plenty of noise when you leave here. They made noise enough to waken the dead. And when the last echoes had died out in the street below our windows, I played out a small scene with Tony, hoping that the concierge would be listening. Well, old chap, I know it was a successful party and all that, but you needn't look so smug uh, about it. Uh, you don't know what I know. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Rather, the, the Vicomte de Villiers. Well, he'll get to be brought to the Bastille at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> he won't be there long. I know, I know. Because the Scarlet Pimpernel's going to take him out at 5 a.m. Out of the Bastille. <laughs> and how's he going to get in to begin with? Well, it's, it's all fixed, old boy. It's all fixed. More than half a dozen guards inside the place have been bribed. And the Pimpernel and his men, are, they're all taking their places in, in, in disguise. Well, how do you know? Was the Pimpernel here tonight? <laughs> he certainly was. <laughs> in a little while, he'll be in the Bastille. You hear that noise? Yes. And unless I am greatly mistaken... That was our friend the concierge tripping over himself in a dash to spread the news. Moments later, the concierge hurtled from the building, and from behind our window curtain we saw him speak hurriedly to two men who lurked in the shadows of the deserted street. Then he was off in the direction of the nearest military post. The men he had spoken to walked swiftly towards our building, and in less than a minute were kicking in the door to our apartment. 
Well, sounds like we're going to have company, old boy. Good heavens, you'd think we didn't want them in here. You two are under arrest. Indy, uh, uh, now look here. Uh, look, you know, you really shouldn't go kicking things around like that. It's dreadfully bad with the woodwork. None of your insolence, English dog. Which one of your guests tonight was the Pimpernel? Oh, now, let's see. It was, um, who was the Pimpernel? It was Blakeney, wasn't it, Tony? Yes, I suppose he Blakeney. That's the one. <laughs> but you yourself are Blakeney. <laughs> oh, dear, Tony, I'm afraid this fellow's conversation is going to be a terrible bore. Now, let's keep them quiet, shall we? Oh, nice work, Blakeney. Let's hope the others have done as well, shall we? Quickly, the clothes. Right. What are you looking for? These, just as I hoped. Bonaparte's men all have special passes, not to be challenged at the barricade unless cancelled by his order. Well, that's fair enough. What's fair enough? He's beaten us, in a way. But in exchange, he's given us passports out of Paris. Come on, let's get to the Pointe de Charenton and finish our job. The men are deployed on both sides of the road. No sign of troops from the city. Good. Here comes the carriage now. Only six horsemen riding guard. Oh, it's going to be easy. Yes, almost too easy. They'd be foolish to fight. And they'll ask for a surrender. You may get to Villiers without a shot. Keep me covered, will you? All right. Stop where you are. Drop all your arms to the ground. I have 20 men covering you. We do not resist, monsieur. I don't like this, Blakeney. Neither do I. I'm going to have a look in that carriage. Good evening, monsieur. It was Lieutenant Bonaparte. He was sitting next to the Villiers with a pistol pressed against the Vicomte's heart. I rode out to meet our aristocratic friend here. It seemed to me that this would be the ideal spot for your attack, so I told Citizen Chauvelin. It may surprise you, but this area is surrounded by 50 men. I suggest that it is now your turn to surrender quietly. All right, come out, men. I'm afraid your soldiers aren't very well trained, Lieutenant Bonaparte. I said come out. They must be here. I ordered them here. And I thought you might do just that. So I led the concierge to believe that the rescue attempt would be made at the Bastille. I imagine your 50 troops are there now with Citizen Chauvelin. Loosen your grip on that pistol, Lieutenant. I pledge you, if you harm that prisoner, you die too. Tony! Yes, Blakeney? Get the Vicomte out. Remove those ropes and the gag. Get those soldiers dismounted and tie them up. Right. I will take care of you myself, Lieutenant Bonaparte. I will tie you myself. You get the opportunity to do so only because I am surrounded by fools. Next time, it will not be so. I will never be tied again, monsieur. You're a dangerous man, Lieutenant Bonaparte. I feel it. I can't do it, of course. It's not my way. But something in the back of my mind tells me I should shoot you. Now, in cold blood. Someday I may wish I had. Who knows, monsieur? Who knows? 
Adventures of the Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring, with music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers.